I'm Alan Rickman, Eddie Deason returns, and PETA has its final say on Goldfish. All this and more on a brand new How Did This Get Made mini-episode. Hit the theme! What's up, jerks? Shut up, I don't care. You know the reason why you want to hear. Sit down and enjoy your say for another episode of How Did This Get Made mini-episode. Hello, my baggy cargo pant-wearing freaks. I'm your host, Paul Shear, and welcome to a How Did This Get Made episode where you get to voice your issues on last week's film, Killing Me Softly, plus we reveal next week's movie, and as always, I try to solve your problems on Paul's Helpline. But first things first, a huge shout-out to John Schreier, who created the theme for today's show. Thank you, John. We love these songs. And if you have one for the mini, please send them to howdidthisgetmade at earwolf.com, but keep them short. 15, 20 seconds, that is a perfect length. Try to beat John. It's going to be a tough order, but I think you can give him a run for his money. That's nothing against John. That's just my belief in you. Now, let's get into it. I know we talk a lot about movies on how did this get made, but there are bigger things out in the world. You've got problems. Let me solve them. It is time for the Paul Helpline. He's helping you, he's helping me, he's helping everyone who sees it's Paul's Helpline. Thank you, Garrett Parker. Uh, This is the Paul Helpline. This is where I try to help you as an impartial uh, third party. I'm here to listen, to give you my advice. I have limited facts. I have no degree. I am not a doctor, but I'm here to help. And you know what? I'm also willing to take advice and take help. So if you have a question, a comment, a concern, call in. Also, call in to criticize my advice. Because last week on the Discord, people took me to task when I recommended that the best way to get rid of extra toys in the house is just to throw them away. Now look, of course, if you can donate them, donate them. And secondly, know your kids. If you don't know what the fuck your kids are into, don't do this. I was talking about this child who was getting gas station stuffed animals, all right? That is something that I feel like your kid loses interest in by the time you've pulled into the driveway. And if they haven't, great. But most of the time, these crappy gifts just sit in the bottom of a toy bin or on the side of a room. And I think that is what I was talking about. Well, I know that's what I was talking about. I I am the person. I know what I'm talking about. I am the smartest person about me that there is. Uh, Okay, no, but I really didn't want to trigger people. So many people got triggered. Like, my mom threw away my Star Wars. My dad threw away my baseball cards. Uh, Yeah, I get it. You all would have been rich if that one thing that you had... By the way, it would have had to have been in pristine shape, and if you loved it and played with it, it wouldn't be. I've been to a Star Trek convention. I've been to Comic-Con. I know Mint condition is the only thing that's going to get you that big buck. But uh, anyway, again, throwing something out is an art form, but you have to be a very proactive parent. Anyway, uh, talking about proactive parents, let's talk to Jeff in Idaho with a very interesting problem. Hey, Paul, this is Jeff in Idaho. Um, I had a question about both job and parenting and mostly balancing the two. So I have a potential for a big uh, promotion at work. But we're also considering a move because the uh, local area is not particularly diverse and we have an adopted son 
who is uh, half African American. So um, trying to weigh those two to see, you know, it's uh, which is more beneficial, a, a new job, a better place for my son to grow up. I, I don't know. So uh, hoping you can maybe throw some advice my way. And yeah, Kumite. Kumite, Jeff. Kumite. Wow, what a great question and what a uh, a selfless question because you are you want it seems to me to put your family in front of your own job and I think that that is really well the fact that you're even questioning it makes me think that you're uh, a good person uh, and I I really want you to just kind of chase that down a little bit right family is so important. And if you have a happy family, you will be happier. I don't know the specifics of the job. I don't know how much more money it is. But if you can get a comparable job and live in a better place where you feel like you're in a community where your kid can thrive uh, on multiple levels, fucking do it. You will never regret that. You will never regret betting on your family and making your family happy. I, I truly believe that. I think that the fact that you're even calling in means that you are leaning in that direction. Unless this job is like, you know, I'm going to make $10 million a year, you know, and you could live in a in a lifestyle that you were so unaccustomed to that you could maybe bring some joy to your family that way. But again, we're talking about like, does money buy happiness? I don't know. I think that community buys happiness. And if you're talking about moving to a great community with your family, you will not regret it. Anyway, that's my two cents. I don't know much, but I'm going with it. Uh, what do we got next? Scott in Wilmington with another dad question. Oh, man, this should be Paul's dad helpline. Uh, Scott, what do you got? Hi, Paul. This is Scott in Wilmington. And my 10-month-old daughter, Alice, is wonderful eating solid foods. She picks them up, puts them in her own mouth. She eats anything I give her, which is it's all great. But... She has just realized that she is able to throw food, and I I don't know what to do with this. The, the dogs are camping out around the table. I uh, I can't I can't stop her. I can't stop her, and she loves it. So I just don't know what to do. What should I do, Paul? Scott, I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor. I'm not a child therapist. I don't really know what to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I would do, but don't. In a weird way, I'm saying don't listen to me. <laughs> As a dad. I'm going to give you some tips. As a dad, I'm going to say this. I hope you're not laughing at your kid because laughing will make them do it more and more. My kids are five and seven. Uh, they learned a curse word and June laughs every single time they say it. So they say it all the time. I am stone face, but kids love getting that attention. And I would argue that if your kid is throwing food, they probably want attention or maybe they are just learning cause and effect. I really don't know. Maybe they hate the food. But if they are trying to get your attention in some way, they know that if they throw it, you'll give some reaction that will make them laugh or it will make them feel like they are the center of your world, then maybe you should have a little bit more of some one-on-one -on -one feedings. Like really be there with your kid. And if you are, then maybe find alternate ways to teach her cause and effect, right? He doesn't have to always be throwing on the floor. Now, as far as... There's food on the floor and the dogs have camped out. Get used to it. I got a five-year-old, seven-year-old, like I said, and they, I mean, they eat like gremlins ripped into the cupboard. I mean, I'm finding stuff on the floor all the time. One of the best things about having a dog is that uh, 
he will just hoover that up. But it's not good because that stuff is bad for the dog, too. Like, they, they, the dog should not be eating uh, Skittles. And not that the dog is eating Skittles, but I'm always down on my hands and knees after every meal. I don't think it changes, although I've met some other kids who are a lot neater than mine. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, good luck with that. But I would say this. Google it. Google your question. You'll get a better answer from a real like child therapist or behavioralist or just somebody who has a degree. I mean, I got a degree. I got a bachelor in fucking science. Yeah, I'm no slouch. You didn't know that? Bachelor of Science from NYU. Boom. Did it how many years did it take me? Three. Didn't do the whole four. Just did it three. Anyway... <laughs> Why am I why am I challenging you with my uh, college degree? Anyway, if you need some advice or you have a second opinion about my advice, give me a call at 619-PAUL-ASK. Ask me anything. You could talk about uh, something as random as movies, uh, not the one that we just covered. You could also, you know, talk to me about anything going on in your life. And I'm here to be a mediator that has limited facts and just trust my own gut judgment because Honestly, at the end of the day, I stop recording and I don't think about it anymore. And sometimes you need that person. Um, All right. We have a big show coming up and we'll be right back with your questions and comments and concerns about last week's erotic thriller, Killing Me Softly. All right. Last week, we talked at length about Killing Me Softly. We had questions. We might have even missed a few things. And here's your chance to set us straight. Fact check us, if you will, okay? It's now time for corrections and omissions. And to bring us in, Bombay Beach Revival. Just wait one minute. Thank you, BBR. All right, let's go to the Discord. The Discord is, of course, located at discord.gg slash HDTGM. I also have a Discord at discord.gg slash Paul Shear. Uh, they're great places to hang. And our first Discord guest is someone who just popped up on my Twitch show, which I do every Thursday with Rob Hubel. We have great guests on the show. Uh, this is Buttonhead. Buttonhead uh, is a clothing designer. And Buttonhead says, neither a correction or an omission, but a hashtag I'm with June. I thought Heather Graham's boss was Alan Rickman. But once he started talking, I was pretty convinced he wasn't. Yeah, that's I think that's how we all felt. Uh, June watched him speak. And by the way, it wasn't like he was on screen silently. It wasn't like a, a real slow reveal. I think this man transitions into the middle of a speech. So you know, when people like IQ uh, Manhut says, I also wrote down young Alan Rickman. People, he's speaking. Alan Rickman has one of the most distinctive voices. It's not Alan Rickman. Anyway, uh, Kevin McAllister, a Kevin McAllister, not the Kevin McAllister, writes, um, this is the first and to date only English directed movie by this director. This is uh, the director, of course, Cage Chen. And I'm also glad I was not alone in thinking this guy was Alan Rickman. All right. Well, I guess you know what? Now, three people think it's Alan Rickman. So I guess I'm the idiot for calling my wife out on this. But that's the only victories I get. June is a smart, amazing, capable person. So when I can get one up on her every now and then I'm going to I'm going to drive it into the ground because that's what a good partner does it makes you feel like I got one over on you, you look at that that's what we call a good relationship 
not forgiving any little mistake. <laughs> All right. So um, to that last comment, Johnny Unusual also mentioned, it's worth noting that this is an accomplished romance director. Okay, this is interesting. I didn't know this. That Cage Chen is an accomplished romance director. Uh, namely, he made the lauded Farewell, my concubine. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that, which could have easily been an unspooled flick. Thank you, unspooled. We're doing a contender series right now, all about uh, Academy Award winners. We just have Boogie Nights coming up, just did Talladega Nights. Uh, He also directed Caught in the Web, which also got an Oscar and a nod a decade ago. All right, so Cage Chen. Now, I would have said that Cage Chen, you know, doesn't quite understand how to do a romance thriller. I, I actually think the romance in this movie was interesting. Um... You know, a lot of furtive glances. It was the thriller plot that was tricky. Like the first act, more of that, Cage, more of that. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, Okay, now a lot of you commented on the music, but let's go to the phones because Jennifer has something to say about that. Hi, Paul. Uh, My name is Jessica. I just wanted to call and um, I just listened to the episode. Um, I just wanted to call and ask about... The music. I watched um, for free on Tubi, which had a lot of ads, so I don't know if I got the music that was released on the DVD or maybe some, like, secondary, you know, free music. But um, I feel like in the beginning of the movie, a lot of the scenes which were, you know, in a regular thriller would be very innocuous. The music was very, like, James Bond villain has just appeared on screen. And then later on, uh, when Heather Graham is meeting with her ex's friend of 15 years, who's eventually going to move in with him, there's like jazz trumpets playing. And I just thought the music really clued me in or was trying to clue me in that this was something was going on here way before the movie wanted me to actually know that information. So I don't know if it's different on different versions, but I just, the music was crazy. Um, So thanks. Love the pod. First of all, I apologize, Jessica, for calling you Jennifer. Um, You're right. Well, first of all, let me say this. No one is changing the music. Like, no matter where you're hearing it, I'm like 99% sure that All music rights are bought across all platforms. Uh, I know that because of the shows that I've had to clear music for. So it's not like Tubi rescores it. The only time you really kind of see that is in silent films where uh, you can add a different track, like a Buster Keaton movie or something like that. So you are hearing the right music. You are not wrong. This movie feels like it lived in the world of like multiple editors and multiple cuts and multiple notes. And people are like, we need to clue people in that this is now a thriller because it was a Roma, uh, you know, a Rome, I was going to Romecom. It's a Romecom. It's not a rom-com at all. It's a romance. Um, So I just think you are echoing uh, the sentiment that we all had, which is this movie uh, doesn't make sense. It is confusing. So I appreciate it. Good call. You didn't hear anything wrong. Next on the phone, Jeff. Hey, Paul, this is Jeff calling. Uh, Just listen to the killing me softly episode. And uh, I remember you said that there was no uh, PETA treatment for goldfish. Well, I remember an interview with Jonah Hill when he was doing The Wolf of Wall Street. And there was a scene in that movie where he had to put a goldfish in his mouth and swallow it. And he said on a talk show that there was a goldfish wrangler who had very close supervision of the goldfish, how long it could stay in his mouth, 
you know, how it was transported back and forth to set. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. And also there was that Faith No More video from the 2000s where that goldfish is flopping around, that same kind of treatment. There was uh, one shot only of that goldfish flopping on that countertop, and then it had to be put back in its bowl. Anyway, love the episode, love the show. Talk to you soon. Bye. You know what? I remember that story about Jonah Hill as well. Okay. Well, look, color me wrong. I mean, maybe it's different in London. I don't know. Uh, different Peter writes, but I'm sure it's not. Maybe they just did that as one take. Uh, it seemed, you know, as someone said there on the Discord, like it was very mansplainy to, uh, <laughs> to describe how, <laughs> how you lose, like how you stop breathing. Like, who doesn't understand that? Like, it's not an incredibly hard concept to explain. And the movie, like, you feel like the movie is leading you to this, like, autoerotic asphyxiation, but you never get there, especially that scene. So I have to believe, I mean, I know there is that one scene where they are having sex in the scars, but it doesn't feel like that's what it fully was going for anyway. But I appreciate that Faith No More video. I forgot about that as well. And I love that there was a goldfish wrangler. I've worked with many an animal wrangler. Wrangler. And uh, my favorite one was the guy who was a wrangler for a snake. And uh, and really, the only way he wrangled the snake was just by like poking it with a stick, which I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do to any animal, but specifically a snake. Um, Michael from Albuquerque, what do you got? Hey, this is Michael from Albuquerque. Uh, I got a correction or an omission from last week's movie. So you're always uh, comparing film stats. So give you a new film stat. This is 2021 in movies. Number one movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number two, The Battle at Lake Changjin, a Chinese movie that crushed No Time to Die, Fast 9, Shang-Chi, and The Eternals. This movie was directed by the same director that did Killing Me Softly. So, joke's on us. Thanks. Have a good one. Oh, my God. My mind is blowing up. All right, we knew a little bit about Cage Chen, and now we're learning this? Well, you know what? The joke's on us, motherfucker. We got bamboozled here, okay? This is a great director, or maybe this is a director that just made a whiff. Maybe it's a whiff. You know, great directors sometimes make a whiff. Um, and maybe this is it. Maybe it was taken away from him. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, his movie Hard Eight, he was kicked out of the uh, the edit suite. Is it really his movie? I mean, yes and no. So maybe we don't know. Let's find out some more information about Cage Chen. Why was this one not as successful as his literally uh, Academy Award you know, almost nomination, as everything is almost nominated, except for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Apparently, that is ineligible uh, for an Academy Award. I just saw that today. Um, Dr. Guts, 1003. Well, by the way, why is it just today? I mean, the Academy Award, weren't they? No, I guess they haven't been announced. Have they been announced? I don't know. Anyway, back to the Discord. Dr. Guts, 1003, writes, If this movie hadn't come out in 2003, I would have sworn it was done by someone who was a fan of How Did This Get Made. There were so many moments in the movie that reminded me of past episodes. Here were just a few. Ooh, I love this. Okay, great, Dr. Guts. Uh, there is uh, the remaining on the floor after sex as discussed in Reindeer Games and Prelude to a Kiss. Yes, you're right. I remember that specifically from Prelude to the Kiss. Number two. There's the ability of two women being able to dig up a grave despite the ground being frozen in winter like Perfect Stranger. Ooh, I forgot all about that one. And number three, when Heather Graham walks in the park and the kids are playing soccer, it reminded me of the soccer scenes in Little Italy and the peanut butter solution. I'm going to say that one you're reaching. 
<laughs> that one, like, that's just background, okay? Like, if you said there was a soccer game like Little Italy, then I would say you got, but you can't just say, like, in the background, kids are playing soccer. That's not like, that's, I mean, that's first two, check, check plus, third one, check minus. All right, and to end this corrections and omissions segment, we are going to end it with a Matinee Monday omission. Have you heard about Matinee Monday? Every Monday, we are taking an old episode out of the vault, uh, and we are putting it free back in the stream. You can uh, listen to it uh, for as long as you'd like. Uh, and we also do a little video recap every Monday on my YouTube page. You just go to my YouTube page. It's just YouTube and just type in Paul Shear. Anyway, uh, this is from Greece 2, and John, not Connor, writes... Regarding the Monday matinee on Grease 2, apologies if this was mentioned in the original Corrections and Omissions, but you failed to mention one of the most beloved returning characters, everyone's favorite 80s nerd, not tainted by participation in Revenge of the Nerds, Eddie Deason, that is Eugene Florzik. And my outrage has nothing to do with the fact that I played Eugene in my high school production of Grease. Well, 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 well. John, not Connor, thank you for calling out... (laughs) That returning character to Greece, that beloved returning character. I thought that that was going to be like, and I am Eugene Florzik. Anyway, we had so many great corrections and omissions this week, but there can only be one, the best one. And there was a lot of good ones. I mean, the PETA one is definitely where I'm leaning, but I'm also kind of feeling this idea that Cage Chen is a master blockbuster director. But you know what? I don't mind someone who still is holding on to a grudge. So I'm going to give it to John, not Connor. You know what? You might not have gotten your due when you did your high school production of Grease, but now you are going to get everyone to know your name. So you will get this very special winning song from Seth Chatfield. Seth, give him a song. Rose to the top to defeat all the others. You really honored your father and If you want to chime in with your own thoughts on the last episode on our Monday matinees, you can hit the Discord at discord.gg slash hdtgm or give me a call at 619-PAULASK, 619-PAULASK. Coming up, I chat about all the things that you should be watching in the world and we are going to talk about next week's movie. We'll be right back in just a second. You know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you might be noticing we are releasing these old episodes back into the regular feed every single Monday. Last week it was Grease 2, and next week, to match up with Robert Pattinson's The Batman, we are releasing Batman and Robin. I believe the guests on that episode were Matt Myra and Jesse Falcon. Great guests, no June, and so it's a little bit of a different episode, but... Uh, you know, what better way to celebrate a new Batman than with the worst Batman? Now, again, we have spent time with everybody here. We've given you plenty of time. Now, it's my time. It's my time here. It's time for Paul's Pick of the Week. Quinn, if you'll do the honors. Paul's Picks. It's Paul's Picks. Yeah, there's so many goddamn books for me to read already, Paul. Add another. 
another TV show, why not? I'll never see them all. It's movies, podcasts, comic books. I'm drowning in this culture shit. But Paul's just got a section where he adds to the conglomerate. Paul's picks. Thank you, Quinn. Um, pick of the week. I've been thinking about this because there have been so many things I have been really, really into. Um, right now, I think the thing that I really want to talk about is a documentary called Room 237. We just did The Shining on Unspooled. It was a great conversation. I looked at that movie in a way that I'd never really had seen it before. Uh, as I've kind of realized, as I've gotten older, I look at Kubrick movies with a totally different eye. I love them all. Uh, but way more and for different reasons than I ever did in the past. And Room 237 is a brilliant documentary that highlights the most insane and intricate theories about The Shining with no judgment, no interviewer. You just hear the people, and they are basically voiceover on top of these amazing images. Some of the images are Kubrick films. Some of the images are from The Shining. Some of the images are just from cinema. It, it's one of the most interesting docs. I know I'm a little bit late to the party on this one, but Room 237 is a trippy, and I hate using that term, but a trippy, fun doc that is so enjoyable. Like, it was, it really just, it scratched an itch. I didn't know I needed scratched. Every scene, there's there's an impossibility. That, like the TV doesn't have a core. Even something simple as like them, they like they bring too much luggage up. He like Jack meant, you know, glances over at a pile of their their luggage that they brought, and it's about the size of a car. I mean, a lot of it is jokes. Like they're they're taking the tour. They're 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 crossing the street from the maze to go check out the garage, like a car is just about to put <laughs> And then it cuts right before. <laughs> if you are looking for a, a metal, a heavy metal escape, I want to recommend uh, Sasami. She has a great new album out called Squeeze. It is awesome. I love the track, uh, Need It to Work. But this is, uh, man, oh man, I just am into her. I have uh, found her recently, and Squeeze is just one of those albums that I don't think you can't not like. Can I say that? I don't know. I mean, metal is such a thing that puts people off, I feel, but uh, this is a great one. It's S-A-S-A-M-I. Sasami, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. The album is called Squeeze. Check it out. And finally, I was talking about this a while ago. I watched all the Scream movies back to back to back to get ready for Scream 5. Scream 5 is out on VOD right now. I loved it. I thought it was great, especially the third act. Like the last hour of the movie really just pulls it all together. I will tell you one thing. Scream 5 or whatever it is, it's always someone you know, uh fucked me up because it's the first movie where I couldn't tell 
who was a kid and who was a 20 year old. Like I really was having a hard time going like, are you the teenager or are you like the person who's a college? I don't know the difference anymore that made me feel old. I feel bad about myself, but that's where we're at. Uh, but once they, they, they tell you enough who's in high school and who's not, but they don't look very different. They don't. Uh, so Scream 5, out now. Uh, and if you are wondering if it's worth your time, it's very much worth your time. It's a good, worth your time. It's not like a, oh, so bad, it's good kind of bullshit. No, no, no. This is real deal good. And, uh, and I will leave you with that. And now that we got all that out of the way, Killing Me Softly is just a faded cargo pant in our memory. Let's talk about next week's movie. We are going from the erotic nature of baggy clothes to the deep desire of dance. That's right. Next week, we are watching Dancing. It's on! Exclamation point. Okay, here's a short breakdown of the plot. <laughs> the movie is called Dancing. It's on. All right. Again, I'll get into this plot. Uh, Jennifer is a high school junior from Beverly Hills who falls in love with Ken, who works at her father's beachfront hotel in Florida. Despite their backgrounds, they share a passion and desire to, you guessed it, dance. Jennifer and Ken must work together to overcome the scheming partners and a meddling father and their own doubts for a chance to win it all. Uh, It does not have a tomato meter score, but the audience gives it a 26%. (laughs) And uh, Michael Reshaffen from the Los Angeles Times says, Even if the world had been clamoring for yet another step-up type of hip-hop dance movie, it wouldn't be dancing, it's on. An inept knockoff that proves every bit as clunky as its punctuation-challenged title. Uh, Let's take a listen to the trailer. Who's the new girl you were with? That's the boss's daughter. Can she dance? chance to be something it's through my dancing it's my life it's the same as me you show me i'm counting on you to keep my daughter away from that kid i saw you dancing with the boss's daughter in what world will you get a girl like that i will not have you dating some dishwasher i don't need you to make those decisions for me. you can play baseball but you can't play dance dance comes from the heart you can watch dancing it's on, on Amazon Prime Video with a subscription or on Tubi for free. Or you can check out Hoopla, which is the digital media service offered by your local public library that allows you to borrow movies, music, audiobooks, ebooks, comics, and TV shows for you to enjoy on your computer, tablet, or phone, and even your TV for free. So Hoopla is the service, and use your library. Give it up for them. All right. Um, you know, our movie picking producer, Avril Halley, uh, one of the best, one of the greats. Um, she has a great channel on YouTube called movie bitches, but she also has an amazing store on Etsy called AV blankies, A V Y B L A N K E Y S AV blankies. These blankets are the best. Uh, my kids have them thanks to Avril and, uh, they are just they truly are a treat. So check out her store on Etsy. That is it for the show. Please remember to rate, review, and tell your friends about the show. Listen to Monday Matinee and uh, check in with all of us on social media. We are always at HDTGM. And for commercial-free access to How Did This Get Made and our entire archive and so much more, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Uh, and for a free one-month trial, you can use the code BONKERS as B-O-N-K-E-R-S, BONKERS. A big thank you to our producer, Cody Fisher. 
and Molly Reynolds. Our engineer, Devin Bryant, and our publisher, July Diaz. We will see you next week for Dancing. It's on. Let's go, baby.